Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. Having church without the presence of God is like driving a car with no engine. It has no power. It can't go anywhere. It's just a shell. God has not called us to be a shell, a representation of something that, that carries no ability to execute what he desires and wants to bring forth. He, called, he has called us to be a people of power that would demonstrate his authority in the earth. Amen? Mm, my God. Let's move into this word. I'm not going to preach long. I'm going to, I only have 15 minutes, amen. <laughs> but that's okay. Can you bring me down the monitors? Uh, I'm a little bit hot in the monitors up here. I preached, I preached, this is part four of the principles of prayer, and I preached about spiritual warfare. And I want to just give a second part of the spiritual uh, warfare component, and then I want to move you into petitions. If you have your Bibles, go to Mark chapter 25 through 29. Let me just read this introduction. Prayer is the most critical activity the Christian can engage in alongside of this study of God's word. Prayer unlocks the heavens and causes God to intervene in earth's affairs. When you understand the power and the authority that we've been given by God through prayer, then you will begin walking in a totally different place in your relationship with God and in who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do in the earth. We are not subject to what the enemy desires. The enemy is subject to the prayers that we pray in the name of Jesus and the authority that we exercise here in the earth. Amen? Hmm. I want to give you once again this principle about spiritual warfare and petitions. And let me read this to you. And um, where I'm going to pick up from last week is we must employ spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. We must employ spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. I covered this in the 9 a.m., but I missed it in the 11 a.m., so I'm just going to repeat this part. Mark 9, 25 through 20, uh, 25 through 29 says this. When Jesus saw that the people were running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsing him greatly, and came out of him. And he, he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. Verse 27. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had came into his house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I want you to understand, and this is the, the situation where the young boy was demon-possessed, and then the disciples could not cast the devil out of this child. This child was possessed. He was, he was 
uh, uh, demonically controlled. The evil spirit in him tried to make him throw himself into fires and try to make him drown himself. This is the spirit of suicide. In this generation, there has never been such a spirit of suicide that is attacking a generation and the people group like we have seen in modern day. And I want you to understand that Jesus dealt with this over 2,000 years ago because he understood the way to cancel and to cast out a spirit of suicide was through using spiritual weapons and exercising spiritual warfare over the demonic spirit that was making this young boy want to kill himself. I want to say this, and I know this is strong, but if you want to hurt yourself, harm yourself, kill yourself, it is not you. It is a demonic, satanic spirit. Amen? The Bible we are, we are created to be people who receive life. That life comes through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly. But the devil has come to kill, steal, and do what? Destroy. Suicide is killing, stealing your destiny, your purpose, and destroying the plans that God has for you. So if you are struggling with suicide, it is satanically inspired and rooted and grounded from the pits of hell. And Jesus understood this, so he used the tactics of spiritual warfare, and he canceled and cast out this demon of suicide out of this young child. And this young boy was free, and he even said I command you to leave and come into him no more amen and when the disciples questioned and said Lord we tried to cast his spirit out of the boy and it didn't work he said well this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting some demonic spirits are more stubborn than others amen it's like that uncle in your family that doesn't listen to anything. He's just stubborn. He does what he, and get every, you know, get the whole family in uproar. He's more stubborn than everybody else. There are some demonic spirits that are more stubborn than others, but Jesus has given us the tool of prayer and fasting to get beneath this thing and uproot every demonic force and entity that would influence and control people. So if we are dealing with situations like this. We have authority through Christ with fasting and prayer to rebuke and cast out these demonic and satanic spirits. Amen? The key to prayer combined with fasting was the only tool that could unlock the possession of this young person. Why did we do the 14 days of glory? We did it because you needed to understand that as a corporate body, as a household and family, and as an individual, that you have been given authority over the enemy. And at any point that you choose to exercise that spiritual authority, God will back you because he has authorized you to exercise the spiritual authority. Amen? So when we pray for sick people, sick people got healed. When we pray for people with anxiety, anxiety left. When we pray for people with diabetes, diabetes left their bodies. Why? Because we were employing the weapons of our warfare against sickness, against infirmity, against mental illness, against all forms of things that are not coming from Jesus and commanding them to come under the authority of Christ himself. Amen? 
Listen, the Bible, Jesus said, let thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, there's no depression in heaven. There's no suicide in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no possession in heaven. There's no oppression in heaven. There's no addiction in heaven. None of those things exist in heaven. So he said, let his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Who has the ability to authorize and release heaven on earth? It is the believers. But how do we do it? We do it through prayer. We do it through prayer. We do it through prayer. We exercise it through prayer. So when we talk about becoming a people of prayer, we're not just doing an activity. We are exercising heaven on earth. Amen? We must employ spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. Matthew 18, 18 says this. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. It is amazing to me that he would allow us enough power to stand here on earth and bind things here on the earth and the heavens must fall into alignment with what we have bound here on earth. And he's given us the authority to loose things here on the earth and the heavens must come in alignment with that which we've loosed on earth. The heavens must now loose. Amen? He has given you authority. He has given you authority. We need to learn how to exercise our authority as believers and followers of Christ. This is, uh, write this down, Reese Howell, Intercessor. This is a book, Reese Howell, Intercessor, one of the greatest books I've ever read on prayer. This book is the chronicles of a man who was an intercessor that swayed what happened in World War II and caused the defeat of the Nazis and Adolf Hitler in Germany. See, we know the historical side of the uh, Great Britain and the U.S. fighting against Hitler uh, throughout Europe. But what we don't know is that there was a man named Reese Howell who raised up an entire prayer movement in Europe during the time of the Nazi occupation. And they were praying and fasting and interceding and coming against the satanic spirit that was inspiring Adolf Hitler to kill over six million Jewish people. Why? Because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Wherever there is mass murder or mass destruction, it is always inspired by a satanic spirit. And Reese Howe and the intercessors began fighting spiritual warfare with spiritual weapons, and they were coming against Hitler. And it was not that the American army was superior or that the British army was superior. It was that a man of God and people of God were interceding and praying and dismantling the spirit that was operating through Adolf Hitler and dismantling it in the heavens so that a weaker opponent was able to defeat and overcome a stronger opponent. Go and read this book because you will understand whatever is happening in the state of California, the only reason it will continue to happen is because the saints are not praying and standing in the gap and taking their rightful place and plucking down and pulling down the strongholds that the enemy has established in this state. 
You think that we're the only generation that has faced political difficulties and challenges? This is a part of history, but Jesus has provided an answer through the weapon of prayer. Amen? There's an authority that the church can exercise on the earth that heaven will recognize and honor. Therefore, when the church binds the powers of darkness in society, government, or culture, God will employ a response from heaven. Also, when demonic forces in the heavenly realm support this behavior, they will become non-operational. They will become non-operational because the saints, the believers saying, Lord, we bind every demonic spirit that would defile our state, that would defile our land, that would cause destruction and death in the state of California. We bind that spirit from operating and we lose holy angels to war on behalf of the church and war on behalf of the kingdom of God to bring righteousness and truth into the land so that people will run to you and not away from you. What are we doing? We are taking taking the authority that we have and we're binding the enemy's works and we're loosing the works of God into the region and the place that God has placed us. Come on, y'all are looking at me like deer in headlights right now. Hmm. M. Bound said this, men and women are needed who prayers will give to the world the utmost power of God, who will make his promises to bloom, come on, like a super bloom in California, to make the promises of God to bloom with rich and full results. God is waiting to hear us and challenge us to become, uh, to bring him to do this thing by our praying. God is just waiting for people to rise up and pray. There's a time for action, but before you act, you need to pray, amen? There's a time to go out and fight the battle, but before you fight the battle in the natural, fight the battle in the spirit, amen? Let me talk to you lastly about the prayer of petition. I'm going to give you the last point or the last prayer for today, the prayer of petition. Petition is to present a formal request to an authority with respect to a particular cause or issue. I did cover this last week. It's all good. I didn't cover none of this in the 11 o'clock. Amen. This principle uh, is, is, I'm going to give you the principle and example. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So that's the principle of petitioning or offering up your request before God. What's the example? Esther 5, 7 through 8. Esther is going before the king with a petition to save her people and to preserve them from death and destruction by the hand of Haman and by the Amalekites. Let me say this real quick. Haman was a descendant of the Amalekites. He wanted to kill the entire Jewish people in, in the province of Susa and in the land that they were held captive. The reason why Haman existed and this destruction was going forth was because generations earlier, King Saul was given the command to wipe out all the Amalekites. 
and he failed to be obedient to do what God told him to do, even though he had the power, the army, the military might, and the authority, and the command from God to wipe out their enemies. And he failed to do it. And because he failed to do it, his descendants, many generations later, now faced a battle and destruction that they never should have faced. Grandparents, parents, let me give you a memo. Your children and your grandchildren will fight battles that you refuse to fight and will face demons that they never should if you choose to not take up your rightful place and stand your ground and fight the warfare and the battle that God has called you to fight. Amen? God is waiting for you to rise up and say enough is enough. My generation is where the line is drawn. I don't care what happened in your family. I don't care what generational curse you face. Somebody has to draw the line in the sand and say, this curse is broken with me and it will not pass to another generation. <laughs> Pastor, it's so hard. Yes, it's hard, but somebody got to stand up and say, Goliath, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I came from generational alcoholism. My grandfather was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. My uncles were alcoholics. My grandfather on my mother's side was an alcoholic. There was alcoholism around me. But at some point in my life when I got saved, I said, this spirit, this demon of alcoholism is going to be defeated. I'm drawing the line in the sand, and it will not pass on in another generation through my bloodline. I stopped making excuses. I stopped blaming other people. And I said, God, with your power and your authority, I'm going to do something about this. Generational divorce. Generational perversion and, and adultery. Generational addiction. Somebody has to say enough is enough. I'm going to stand and I'm not going to be like Saul that's going to give permission for this thing to continue on. But I'm going to be like Esther and Mordecai and I'm going to draw the line in the sand and say, devil, you will not pass go. You will not collect $200. That was a Monopoly reference for those who didn't. <laughs> You will not pass, go, you will not collect $200. This is why I draw the line in the sand, and enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Stop letting people peer pressure you and stuff you know you shouldn't be doing. Come on. Oh, it got quiet in here. Stop letting people pressure you into things you know God is telling you not to be a part of. Some of us need to get a backbone and say, you know what? I'm standing up for righteousness and truth. I'm not going to let the devil punk me. I'm not going to let people peer pressure me. I'm going to stand my ground because I know who my God is, and he is going to strengthen me and fortify me to do great things for his glory. Hallelujah. Esther 5 says this. Esther replied, my petition and my request is this. 
if the king regards me with favor and if he if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them then I will answer the king's questions Esther understood that the king had the authority and power to grant her request if you understand when you offer up a petition that the king of kings and the lord of lords has the power to exercise and answer your petition and your request, then you will go to him because he has the authority to do what no man, no woman, no person, no president, no governor, no mayor, no city council person has the authority to do. Amen? Mm. Esther made a request to the king to have a private meeting. The king was the only one who had the authority to fulfill Esther's request. The private meeting, we need to get into the prayer closet and start having some private meetings with Jesus and say, Lord, I got a problem and you have answers, so let's convene and figure this thing out, amen? Hallelujah. The king was the only one who had the authority to fulfill her request. And Esther understood who she needed to petition to have her request answered. She went to the king, not the cupbearer, not the baker, not the, she went to the king. She went to the one who had the power to answer what she needed. Amen. I'm going to give you four quotes and we'll close out this sermon. Billy Graham said this, we can change the course of events if we go to our knees and believe in prayer. We can change the course of events if we go to our knees and believe in prayer. As tragic as Hurricane Katrina was, I never felt more prayed for in my life than when we went through Katrina because the eyes of the entire world was upon the city of New Orleans and I know people from around the globe was praying and crying out to God for God's mercy on the city of New Orleans. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times and the best of times. It was the worst of times because of what we were going through, but it was the best of times because we saw God in a way that we never saw him before, and we saw him in a way that we didn't even know was possible. I don't, people say, I'm sorry you went through Katrina. Don't be sorry. I'm grateful we went through Katrina. Do you know how I got to know God through that tragedy? God stopped being somebody I read in the Bible, and he became real to myself and my wife during Katrina. I saw the God of the Bible show up in tragedy and say, I am here. I am with you. I will take care of you. I will deliver you. I will provide for you. I will watch over you. I will cover you under the shadow of my wings. Some of us are running from the very thing that God's trying to bring us into so he can show us who he really is. I don't want to serve a theoretical God. I want to serve a living God. Stop running from the fire. Stop running from the fire. Stop running from the fire. God is in the fire. When those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were cast into the fire, the fourth man showed up in the fire. I don't know if you know, but when the fourth man shows up, you will be delivered. See, but you've never been, you've never allowed God to let you go into the fire to see the fourth man. See, some of us are like the people on the sidelines. We're watching the fourth man walk around in the fire, but we've never experienced the fourth man deliverance. 
But when you go into the fire, the fourth man will show up. Your clothes will not have the stench of smoke upon it. Your eyebrows and your hair will not be cinched because when the fourth man shows up, he will deliver you. He will set you free and he will show the Nebuchadnezzars in your life that they do not have power and authority. But the fourth man has the ultimate power and authority over every circumstance, every situation and everything that you face. See, when you know who the fourth man is, you don't have to fear loss. When you know who the fourth man is, you don't have to fear things being taken away from you. When you know who the fourth man is, you don't have to worry about your enemies rising up against you. When you know who the fourth man is, you have confidence and assurance that he is going to be with you and deliver you no matter what you face and no matter what you have to confront. I want to know the fourth man. <laughs> I want to be in relationship with the fourth man. I want to be in relationship with the one that shows up in the middle of the fire when it is turned extra hot. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar had to back up him like, oh, I decree if anyone says anything about the Hebrews, who has the God who answers in the middle of the fire. He, uh, the, you know, God will even cause your enemies to have to testify about God's goodness and his delivering power in your life. Come on, you know you're walking with Jesus when your enemies have to testify. <laughs> Mother Teresa says praying is the more that that holds our house together. It's what keeps us connected. It keeps us connected. It keeps us attached to Jesus. How did she deal with millions of impoverished people? She prayed and God kept her connected. Joyce Meyer said, we all, need God, we all need God's power in our lives. And prayer is the dynamic that releases his power, sometimes in dramatic ways. Whoo. Yes. Priscilla Shire says this, prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. It is the kryptonite to the enemy and to all who ploys against you. Amen? Come on, prayer, bust the devil in the head. <laughs> mm. Hallelujah. That's right. Christ lives. Prayer is the most critical activity Christians can engage in alongside of their study of God's word. Prayer unlocks the heavens and causes God to intervene in earth's affairs. If God could just find a group of people in Northern California who would pray, that had faith to believe that he is who the Bible says he is, we could turn this state upside down. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.